know, you gotta think. <laughs> yes. All the creatures, great and small, throughout yeah. the galaxies. Yeah. Somebody's gonna poop out of their head. And I think we found them. So. <laughs> I think we Welcome to Damn It, Jim, the podcast. This is Dana Smith along with Dan Calzaretta. Dan, we're here for part two of the Menagerie. Yeah, and the only two-parter in the original series. Wow, that's right. I didn't even think about that. See, like I keep saying, every time I listen to our podcast, I learn something new. So you record the podcast with me, and then you listen to it? (laughs) Yeah, there's things I miss while we're talking. So, the Menagerie, part two. We follow the ship as Kirk recaps basically what everything that happened in part one. Spock was now being court-martialed for mutiny. One of the things Kirk says is that he is struggling with this. I'm just paraphrasing, but he is struggling with it. His first officer and his friend is somebody that he is going to be responsible for court-martialing. And putting to death, possibly. Quite possibly. So the court-martial of Mr. Spock has been convened in a closed session. They remind us that contact with Talos 4 is prohibited. Spock says that the Keeper has taken over control of the screen and asks Pike if he understands. Pike says yes. We see Pike 13 years earlier, once again, uh, waking up in a cave with blue-green walls and a glass front. The bulb-headed aliens come out of an elevator and stand in front of his cage. Pike asks why he has been kidnapped and explains that they come in peace. The aliens speak without using their mouths. The Talosians say that Pike is more adaptable than other creatures that come from other planets, and they soon can begin the experiment. And you can see this concerns Pike quite a bit. Yeah, now I have to, I have something to say about the Telosians, Dana. Please. Okay, so we see them from the front, and these, like you said, they, they've got these big heads, and the veins are pulsating, right? Oh, when... I know where you're going. I know. No, 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 no. No, I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not going there. You, you'll be surprised, actually, where I'm going. When we see the Telosians walking out of the elevator toward the cell that Pike is in, like you said, we see the Telosians from behind. Those heads look like huge butts, and the pulsating things... You went be... right where I thought you were going to go. Oh, I thought. <laughs> (laughs) You thought I was going to do something else. And those pulsating things look like a case of hemorrhoids gone bad. (laughs) I mean, those things look exactly like butts. A butt crack. Yeah, from behind. Yeah. I just could. Once again, I think the prop guys are like, okay, look, let's try this. Let's see if they go for the butts. They they already went for the slag title, although the butts would have come first in production order. But I bet if we watched every show, and I don't know if I want to add another count, we could find something that the prop guys put in that we would be like, oh my God, look at that. It's got to be a joke. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, let's see if we find anything else that is obviously pointing to something like that. Okay. That's, uh, where the prop guys or the makeup guys have done something that has to be a joke. I've got one more. You just mentioned the Telosians come out of the elevator right and they're walking toward pike if you freeze it just as they come out of the elevator and start walking toward them you can see other cages in this hallway one of the cages is very easy to see there's a there's a plant yeah it looks like a i don't know some kind of bush with red flowers if you freeze it if you're watching on dvd or have a way to freeze it as soon as they come out of the elevator there is a cage and i was able to freeze it and zoom in and it is donkey kong i think donkey kong was invented by star trek and he's in that cage wow i'm gonna have to go back and watch this episode Again. As soon as the hemorrhoid infested butt heads come out of the elevator, you know, pause it. And if you can slow it down, look, look there and you're going to you're going to see the what looks like Donkey Kong j- kind of jumping up and down. Number three. And then I'm going to shut up so you can go, get on with the episode. One of the Telosians, I 
swear, is a time-traveling Nicolas Cage. It looks like a younger, but it looks like Nicolas Cage. I think he's in this episode. You notice things I didn't even think of. I'm so drawn into the story and seeing what's going to happen scene to scene, and you're looking for the minutia that uh, really makes up the show. That's why we're a good combination here, Dan. That's also why it takes me about three hours to watch one episode, because <laughs> I keep freezing it. <laughs> So we go back to the Enterprise of old as the team with number one and Spock and Dr. Boyce sit around the conference room. Spock is discussing how these life forms live underground and they grow food underground, that they have the ability to control thoughts and make us see what they want everyone to see. The doctor kind of reiterates what Spock is saying and he adds that they can control our minds and control everything that we envision. They can control us, he says. One of the ensigns says that they need to do something to help Captain Pike. Spock says if we go buzzing down there, they could swat this ship like a fly. The ensign suggests using the ship's power so they could use a laser to blast away at them down there. Number one says she'll arrange it. I do want to say number one was played by Majel Barrett, but if you look at the credits, her name is not listed. Her name is listed as M. Lay Hudak. Really? Yeah. Was that her real name? I don't know. I just found that interesting. Back on the planet, the Telosians are watching Pike on their large screen TV. They say thousands of us are already probing the creature's thoughts. So it's more than the three that we see all the time. One of the other bulb-headed aliens says they uh, detect a recent death struggle in which it had to protect its life. Suddenly, Pike sees himself on Rigel 7. The blonde comes running out of nowhere and says to him that they have to hide. And she's dressed kind of like a, a maiden in distress from like the old fairy tale type things. Pike realizes he was in a cage and now he's on Rigel 7, just like he was when his crew was attacked. He says everything is the same except for the girl. And he looks at Vina and says, you weren't there. So back in the present day, Spock is saying that Pike realizes that he is being tricked. Pike on Rigel 7 is asking the blonde questions like, why didn't they create a different girl instead of the same one from the shipwreck crew? All of a sudden, this big Viking looking guy growling and grunting comes out from behind one of the buildings. And he has really bad teeth. Bad, like, bad teeth, bad teeth. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're buck teeth, bottom and top. And brown. Yeah, a lot of fur. Can't tell where the fur ends and the teeth begin. Kind of grunting the whole time too, right? Yeah, he, he makes an almost animal-like noise. So Vina warns Pike that even though this is an illusion, that he will feel everything. The big Viking dude uh, suddenly attacks and Pike fights him as best as he can. They go up some stairs and Pike is knocked down to the ground about 10 feet off. And when the bad guy starts attacking Vina, Pike throws a giant knife that sticks him in the back. And that just kind of pisses the Viking off. It's like, you know, the couple times I've been in bar fights and you end up hitting the wrong guy and you think you've hit him pretty hard. And then he turns around like, you know, what was that that just brushed against me? And okay, you wait, know it's all over. Wait, 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 wait. I did not know you, you were in a bar fight. You need to tell us this story. <laughs> No, it was a long time ago, you know, younger, wilder days and stuff and just something stupid. But what happened? That's not that's not enough. 
Details. We want details. It was a small place. My friend and I were having a beer, and this guy was pretty drunk and being an ass, hitting on the bartender, who was a fairly attractive woman, and she was obviously done with him and told him to get out. When she came around the bar and tried to guide him towards the door, he pushed her away. My friend stood up, said something to him, and the guy swung at him and missed. Didn't realize this guy had friends. He was not the type of person you'd think would have friends. Guy, This other guy came over and tried to grab me and hold me to keep from getting involved. All of a sudden, everybody was fighting in the bar. This guy that grabbed me, I wriggled out of his arms and I turned around and punched him. And he didn't seem phased. And he was more sober than his friend. And he, he hit me, but it just kind of like grazed my chin, knocked me down. My friend, meanwhile, was beating the crap out of the original guy. A couple minutes later, it was all done. And my friend had knocked out about three people. The guy that I had thrown to the ground got up and picked up his friend and they ran out the door. So do you think that this fight was created by the Tolosians to get you to defend the bartender, just like the fight in the episode was meant to get Pike to defend Vina and then have some emotional investment in her? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the Tolosians. That could be the only reason. Well, you know, there are some scientists who believe that it's 50-50 that we live in a simulation. A couple years ago in Scientific American, there was an article about how we might be living in a simulation. If we're living in a simulation, whoever's controlling us, they need to put some more effort into this. <laughs> the bad guy turns around and he goes to jump down and finish Pike off. And Pike finds this kind of like spear thing laying on the ground and he puts it on the ground, pointing up. So when the Viking guy jumps down, he lands right on it. Yeah, just totally impaled by that thing. We see the girl is screaming and then all of a sudden it fades back to the cage. She goes to him and hugs him. And then all of a sudden the images uh, back on the Enterprise, the modern day Enterprise, just stop. And it turns out the Telosians are aware Pike is fatigued and Spock suggests they reconvene later. Commodore demands to know why, and Spock says he just needs to be patient to discover the answers. Now, you said that they knew Pike was fatigued, so the camera goes over and shows Pike, and his, like, head is completely down. Now, you know, imagine being that actor. You spend, I think you told us last week, five hours in makeup. You, you can't move your arms. If your nose itches, I don't know what you're going to do, because you can't, your arms are inside the Zamboni, so, and he has no lines. And if an actor has no lines, they don't get paid as much. But he has to beep. He, he does. To, you know, so, yeah. okay. According to the Union of Actors. Screen Actors Guild. So according to the Screen Actors Guild, Dana, you, you've done some acting. If he beeps, does that count? Does it get paid for that? I would think that's counted as a line. The Commodore demands to know why things have stopped. And Spock says he just needs to be patient to, to discover the answers. Commodore says that Spock is forgetting that he is on trial and he will answer to the questions put to him. Spock replies that his answers would seem quite unbelievable and suggests that they wait for more of the transmissions. When we come back, we see the transmission again. Pike asks the girl if she is real. She says, I can wear anything you wish. Be anything you wish. Pike says, they just want to see how I'll react. She says she can become anything, any woman he's ever imagined. Pike asks if they not only read his mind, but what he is feeling. She tells him he can have anything he wants in the whole universe. Outside the elevator shaft, where Pike, where he originally disappeared, uh, number one has set up the massive laser and they start blasting the rock. So the ship says the circuits are beginning to overheat. They'll have to cease the power. Number one kind of yells up at the sky, disengage, and the laser stops. 
stops while she's she's got her communicator out. She's first talking and it's close to her face, you know, a few inches from her face. And then when she yells disengage, she's got the communicator down to her side and she's looking up at the sky and yells it at the sky. So maybe somebody had a window open on the Enterprise and they could hear <laughs> what she was saying. Uh, so the laser stops and they notice that some of the rock has been destroyed, but not really. The doctor explains that maybe the rock was destroyed, but because of their mind power, we only see what they want us to see. Back in the cage, Vina is telling Pike if he asks her some questions, she might be able to answer them. Pike asks, how far can they control my mind? She says, like, if I tell you, will you pick some dream you've had? He says, perhaps. Vina says, they can't make you do anything you don't want to do. Pike says, but they can trick me with illusions. He asks if they've ever lived on the surface. She nods yes, and then says they moved underground thousands of years ago. They improved their mental abilities, she says, and they have whole collection of specimens here. Pike says they have to have two of every kind. Is that what I'm, is that why I'm here? So he's suggesting that, you know, they're basically got an arc going of every kind of creature. Yeah, I only saw one Donkey Kong. I did not see Mrs. Donkey Kong. Maybe she was resting. You're just picking up barrels and throwing barrels all day long. And all I want you to do. <laughs> wow. Who could have thought that we could have gone so far off the track? So <laughs> the Telosian walks in and watches them. Vina says to Pike, I'm a woman. I'm as real as you are, like Adam and Eve. Suddenly she starts screaming in pain and then she disappears. Pike looks and sees the Telosian walking away into the elevator. Back on the ship, Commodore says, an earth woman. Then you were captured as breeding stock. And Pike replies, yes. Kirk asks why, just to keep zoo specimen? Spock says, much more, Captain. We see Pike on the view screen. He's checking the walls of his cage. A little door opens near the floor and a vial is dropped into the room. The keeper is standing at the other side of the window and says, it's a nourishing protein complex. He says, we can make it look like any nourishment you want. Pike questions him and the keeper says, you overlook the unpleasant alternative of punishment. Pike is suddenly writhing in pain and we see he is in, in basically in like a fire pit. The keeper brings him back to his cage and says, from a fable you once heard of as a child. Well, you think that was hell? Yeah, I think he was probing his mind for some, yeah. you know, some scary thing. But it looked to me, so there, like you said, there was all this fire around him, but he looked like he was in a big vat of oatmeal. Do you see that stuff like all over his arms and his and his shirt? Yeah. Just looked like oatmeal. That would be hell for me. I don't like oatmeal. That would be right out of my dream for sure. Especially wow. the maple oatmeal instant. Oh my God, that's horrible. That stuff's horrible. Oh, I love that stuff. Did you ever have the dinosaur oatmeal? They look like little dinosaur eggs. And when you put the hot water in, they hatch. The problem is they make your shit look green and blue. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're just supposed to play with the dinosaurs that hatched out there and not eat them. No, no, you're supposed to eat them. Definitely supposed to eat them. It said it on the package, but uh, horrible. Okay. Ugh. God, no. Mm -mm. Wow. The keeper says, now consume the nourishment. The keeper says, if you continue to disobey, there are things deeper in your mind that are more unpleasant. So that sounds like a pretty good threat. Pike downs the liquid, then all of a sudden he charges the glass wall. The keeper backs away, kind of shocked. Pike says, 
says, the only thing I was thinking of is wringing your little neck, which is one of my favorite lines in the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a good line. The keeper starts to explain that there was a ship that crashed, but only one single survivor. They repaired the survivor's injuries and found the species interesting. Pike keeps pushing forward about any thoughts not being able to be read. Then he caves in and says, okay, let's talk about the girl. He says, it seems very important to you that I like her. Keeper says, it is important to propagate the species. We wish our specimens to be happy in their new life. Pike says, why is it necessary that I like her? Unless you want to build a family group or a whole human community. The keeper says, now that the girl has been properly conditioned, Pike says, you mean properly punished. Suddenly, Pike gets a new illusion. There's horses in the background and the girl and a beautiful scenery like he explained in his quarters to Dr. Boyce. The girl is putting out a picnic. Pike recognizes the horse as his old horse, Tango. Pike keeps asking her questions about the aliens. He asks if emotions like hate blocks off their minds, and she finally says yes. They can't read through primitive emotions. She explains that they read her thoughts and dreams, and that's why they pick Pike. The aliens are watching. We can see them once again using their big screen. The girl says, person's strongest dreams are about what they can't do. The keeper waves his hand over the screen, and the scenery changes. The blonde girl is now a dancing, sexy green chick. And by that, I mean she's an Orion slave girl. Back on the ship, the Commodore says they're like animals. They say no human man can resist them. Yeah, he. in fact, he says they're vicious and seductive. And I have a little story about this whole green thing. I mean, it's real. Can I tell the story? Please. So before they filmed this, Gene Roddenberry wanted to know, wanted to do a screen test to see how this green would look on film. Again, this is all film. They sent it off to be developed. The next day they get the film back, they look at it, and she doesn't look green. I'm like, what, what's what's going on? They, maybe we didn't put enough green on her. So they put more green on her. They do another screen test. They send it off. Next day it comes back, she's not green. A third time, slather some more green stuff on. They send it off. They find out the technician who was developing the film was like, whoa, there's something wrong with this. I got to correct it. The technician corrected it to make the skin look not green. And then they got it all figured out, and <laughs> that guy probably got fired. Then they were able to get the green to look how Roddenberry wanted it to look on film. We go back to the old Enterprise team getting ready to transport down into the Telosian community. When they go to beam down, only the women beam down. And Spock, after they beam down, says, the women! That was so bad. It was so bad. The way he did it, he kind of <laughs> jumps off the transporter and throws his arms out in front of him. The women! Yeah, a little bit overly dramatic, especially for Spock. So, Dana, the two people who beam down, the two women, it's number one. Yes. And then there is Yeoman Colt. The women beam down and they go right into the cage. Pike grabs the women's phasers and he points them at the window and fires, but nothing happens. And he says, messes with them and says they're empty. Number one says they were fully charged when we left the ship. Pike drops them down near the back wall and he says he's filling his mind with images of beating their large misshapen heads to pulp. The red-haired girl says to Vina, leave him alone. And Vina responds, he's already picked me. But number one says, like Adam and Eve, Vina looks at number one and says, you're no better. Might as well match him with a computer. And it's kind of foreshadowing because Majel Barrett's voice was used for all of Star Trek as a computer voice in the original series and then on Next Generation. That's great. Great catch on that one. I didn't even think about that. Number one explains that there was an adult Vina on the ship that crashed. She suggests that Vina 
Tina is much older than she appears. She starts to do the math, and then the keeper shows up and says, Since you've rejected the specimen we have, we brought you two more. Each has qualities in her favor. Number one, the keeper points out, has a superior mind and would produce highly intelligent children. Pike continues to threaten the keeper. Keeper says, The other new arrival, Yeoman Colt, has considered you unreachable but now is considering that things have changed. She's young and strong, has unusually strong female drives. Yes, she does. Yeah. And the look on her face, you get the idea that she's like, yeah, that's right. That's me. Pike continues with his stream of threats, and then suddenly he's struck in pain. The keeper says, wrong thinking is punishable, and right thinking is rewarded. Then the keeper turns away and walks off to the elevator. Pike tries to keep the hate thoughts going, that keep them out of his mind. We cut to later. We see the group is sleeping, kind of all sitting up, leaning against a rock. One of the Telosians comes out of the elevator and goes around and then opens up the little panel in the door and reaches in to take the phasers. Pike kind of struggles to wake up and then he jumps over and pulls the alien through the opening and then he starts strangling. Venus yells, don't hurt them. The Telosian all of a sudden turns into a big furry beast. And Pike says, stop this illusion or I'll twist your head off. Yeah, I think that actually was the Donkey Kong. I'm pretty sure that that was the Donkey Kong guy. The Keeper says, as Pike continues to choke him, says, your ship, release me or we'll destroy it. Vina says, this is true. They can make the crew see whatever they want. They could easily cause an accident to happen. Pike says, I'm going to gamble that you're too intelligent to kill anyone for no reason. Pike picks up the phaser and points it at the glass wall. Nothing happens. He goes to the keeper and points the weapon at the keeper's head. He goes, I'm betting you create an illusion to keep us from seeing that the laser punched a hole in that wall. He goes, do you want me to test this out on your head? All of a sudden, we see that there is indeed a hole in the glass wall. Because I'm going to put this laser right up to that crack on the back of your head, and we're going to create an alien colonoscopy right now, buddy. Wow. Next thing we see is they're going through that hole in the window. Back on the ship, Mendez says to Spock, it seems the Telosians have deserted you. Spock says, a moment, please. And then nothing happens. Spock goes to Pike and says, signal that you want them to wait. This is your chance for life. Kirk says, you keep talking about life. I was being a prisoner in a cage, a zoo specimen. Spock says there is more to it, but the screen does not still change. Commodore Mendez asks Pike if Spock is guilty. Pike signals yes. Mendez says he must also say guilty. Then he turns to Kirk. We kind of zoom in on Kirk and he finally says guilty. Right at that instant, this means Spock is being court-martialed and could very well face the death penalty. And it's all because the screen froze, right? There's no, there are no images anymore coming through. Yeah, so Spock never was able to prove his point. We see the ship is zooming in on Talos 4. Hansen says they are now in orbit. Spock says the Telosians are in control of the vessel, just as they had been years before. Spock says, you ask me why, you'll see the answer now. So Dana, I have a question for you. So did the Telosians make the original ship crash 13 years earlier? I don't know if they made the other ship crash, but they made the original Enterprise come to them. Okay, so I got it now. So they pulled in Pike's Enterprise. The screen comes back on. We see Pike and the crew get on the elevator. They come up through the damaged rock that was destroyed by the phaser, and we can see that the 
whole top of that rock formation is just blasted away. The Telosian says, you are now where we wanted you. You will start your life on the planet's surface. Pike points the phaser at him and says, even if I kill you? Keeper says, if that's what you want. Pike says, I'll make a deal. I'll spare your life if you let the two women go and I'll stay with you. All of a sudden we see that number one is doing something with her phaser, twisting the rings on it. Number one says... It is wrong to create a whole race of humans to live as slaves. So suddenly the Telosians look a little scared because there's two, two or three more up on the rock. So the Keeper says, do you intend to kill yourselves? Pike then says the weapon will overload and explode. And then he kind of pushes Vino away to get her out of the blast radius, I'm guessing. Pike then turns back to the Keeper and says, just to show how primitive humans are, you can go away as well. Vina takes a step closer to them and says she won't go. And she says that the Telosians have one human. They might try this whole thing again and bring somebody there to be her mate again. So when she says she won't go, she means she won't go where? She won't go away with the Telosians. If she's, she's willing to die, the Keeper says, your history shows a unique distaste for captivity. You are too violent to stay. One of the other Telosians says, you have condemned the Telosian race to eventual death. Dana, I don't understand that. How would this breeding program stop the Telosians from going extinct. It didn't make sense to me. So did that confuse you too, Dana? It did. It didn't make sense to me. Okay. Because they've got several other races. Why would they need these humans? The keeper says, no other specimen has shown your adaptability. You were our last hope. Again, it's not explained, but I think that because humans are adaptable and could learn to live on the planet's surface, they were hoping they'd be able to move to the surface and be like they used to be. Pike offers trade and says, can't we do business basically with your planet? And the Keeper says, that would not be wise. Your race would learn our abilities and soon destroy themselves. The group prepares to beam back up to the ship and everyone's attention turns to Vina. Vina looks at him kind of sad and says, she can't go. Yeoman Colt beams up and then number one beams up. Back on the planet we see Vina slowly change. She becomes old and misshapen. She says, you see, this is why I can't go with you. And then she explains that they found her in the wreckage. They saved her, but they had no guide to putting a human back together. Pike asks the Telosian to give her back her illusion of beauty. Now Dana, I want to interrupt here for a second. She says they had no like blueprint to put her back together. Couldn't they probe her brain? Couldn't they see what other humans look like? You know, they have two arms, they they have two legs. So maybe she was in so much pain when they found her. And pain is could be considered a primitive thought. Maybe they couldn't probe her brain. Oh, that's a good explanation, can, actually. See. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good explanation. Okay, I'll buy it. Back on the ship, we see Pike is transported up. Back in present day, they're watching as the old Enterprise pulls away from Talos IV. Kirk looks to Spock. He turns to talk to the Commodore, and suddenly the Commodore disappears. Suddenly the Keeper's voice is heard, and he's speaking directly to Kirk. He says the Commodore was never aboard your vessel. Everything was an illusion. The court-martial was a distraction to keep Kirk from regaining control of the ship. Keeper goes on, Captain Pike is welcome to spend the rest of his life with us, unfettered by his broken body. Kirk looks to Spock and says, you could have come to me and explained. Spock replies, and asked you to face the death penalty as well? Kirk goes over to Pike and asks, because Chris, do you want to go down to Talos 4? Pike signals with one beep, yes. So then uh, we see uh, Spock is kind of wheeling Captain Pike out of the room. So Kirk tells Spock to see the captain off to the transport 
quarter room. Kirk then adds that he wants to speak to Spock when he's done. He says he wants to talk to him about the regrettable tendency towards emotionalism. Spock seems kind of offended by this, says there's no reason to insult me, sir. He says, I believe I've been logical about the whole affair. The keeper shows Pike walking and looking normal with Vina going into the elevator where we kind of focus in on Kirk. He's smiling, watching, and the keeper says, Captain Pike has the illusion and you have your reality. May you find your way as pleasant. Yeah, that was a great line to end the episode. Kirk is really facing his reality. He's always going to have the ship. He's never going to have that illusion. That's the menagerie part two. Hey, Dana, let's talk about some of our best and worst parts. How about one best part for you? So they used women to play the Telosians. I believe all the Telosians were female. Except for uh, Nicolas Cage, who traveled back through time to be one. <laughs> one of my best parts also has to do with the Telosians. I really did enjoy the effect of their bulbous heads with the pulsating veins. I really thought that was pretty cool, especially for 1966. How about a worst part? The fact that the court-martial was all an illusion. It, it's kind of like, you know, when a story ends and they... They say, oh, it was just a dream. The worst part for me, Venus says the Telosians had no guide to put her back together after the crash. Should we do our counts? Oh, definitely. All right. This week, the dead crewmen count. How many dead crewmen? I didn't see any. No, there were none. There were none, Dana. We're stuck on 19. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of crewmen are pretty happy with that. Yeah. A lot of redshirted crewmen. I think you're right. How about the shirtless Kirk Rip shirt Kirk count? Done. Once again, zero. We are stuck on seven. He's dead. None. None again. Stuck on three. I would have thought we would have had more than three at this point, Dana. Yeah, I think that... That list will grow pretty quickly. Yeah, because we're 12 episodes in. We've only heard it three times. And then finally, I'm a doctor, not a fill-in-the-blank. What do we got for this week? The closest we come is uh, Dr. Boyce saying something about being a bartender, but it uh, doesn't really count. It's not McCoy, even though McCoy is in the episode. He's in the first episode. Does he even appear in the second part? No, he does not. Yeah, so zero. So we have zero on that. Our tally is just one. I know all those counts are going to go up but I'm disappointed that we're kind of stuck. So Dana, what do we have next week? We have the conscience of the king. All right. I had a great time this evening. I will see you next week. As always, live long and prosper. Enjoy the show. Thanks once again for listening to Dammit Jim, the podcast. We would love to hear from you. Please send us an email at dammitjimpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-A-M-N-I-T Jim podcast at gmail.com or join the discussion on Facebook or Twitter. The links are in the show description. Join us next week for the conscience of the king. For Dan and Dana, until next week, live long and prosper.